everyone. Welcome back to the Liberal Arts Endeavor, a podcast by Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters. As you may remember, I'm Hannah, one of your co-hosts and an intern at the college. Today, I'm back with my co-host, Dean Chris Long. Hey, everyone. Hey, Hannah. How are you? Hey. Good to have you back. It's great to be back. Did you have a good break? I did. It was nice and relaxing in my last um, free three weeks until I retire, I feel like. That's right. <laughs> this is your spring semester of your senior year. Yes. Ready to um, end, the, end my college career on a high note. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Well, you had such a great internship over the summer in, in New York. Yes. Are you, are you going back there? Is that where you're headed? I'm for sure going back to New York going to happen one way or another. Okay. Um, whether I go back to refinery is up to um, just the right opportunity and the right timing. <laughs> so hopefully. Um, yeah. Did you, uh, now I noticed on Insta that you you, you had some good uh, meals, some good, some even some good, you saw some good coffee shops. Oh over yeah. Break. Over break. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a little bit of like relaxing, going to different restaurants, coffee shops, spent a lot of time in Detroit. Um, it was just really great. A nice exploration of the men. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, so now that we're back, um, in our first episode of the winter semester, we're talking about everything digital humanities here at Michigan State University with Kathleen Fitzpatrick, director of digital humanities and professor of English in the College of Arts and Letters and Kristen Mapes, digital humanities coordinator in MSU's College of Arts and Letters. Welcome, Kathleen, and welcome, Kristen. How are you both doing? Doing well. Thanks. Doing great. Thank you for having us. Of course. Um, can you guys introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about what you do at the college, what your roles entail? Sure. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, so I'm Kristen Mapes. I'm the Digital Humanities Coordinator. I've been here at MSU and in this role for four years now or something like that. So uh, it's been great. What I do is a mix of things, which involves collaborating with faculty on projects that they're doing, helping them with project management and grant writing. I also teach in our uh, undergraduate minor in digital humanities. I teach the Intro to Digital Humanities course, run a digital humanities study abroad program to London, which is unique in the country. It's the only DH study abroad. And I get to work with uh, faculty in all around the university and with the library a lot on a whole bunch of initiatives. I think we'll talk about some of those today. So as you mentioned, I'm Kathleen Fitzpatrick. I'm director of digital humanities here in the college. And that role has existed for a while now, um, as long as there has been a program in digital humanities that offers an undergraduate minor and a graduate certificate. Um, but the role that I'm in is a little bit different in that I've also been asked to think about the ways that digital humanities is being done all across MSU, both within the college and in other colleges on campus, in a bunch of different centers and labs and projects and so forth, and how those things might come together to form something larger, right? How together they might collaborate and really um, make clear how much richness there is within the digital scholarship that's being done at MSU. Yeah, one of the things we've we've talked a lot about here at MSU, we constantly talk about is the importance of collaboration mm -hmm. and and how you put that into practice. And and I think we do that in in some really exciting ways and great ways here at MSU, but um with respect to digital humanities, we've haven't really had a intentional effort that um along the lines of what Kathleen is talking about. So, we were really um, fortunate to be able to attract uh, Kathleen to MSU and 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 have her here to to 
think about how we can bring these different dimensions of DH together. Part of me feels like, you know, if anybody can do it, it's Kathleen who can do it because she's got these great relationships across the university with with key stakeholders. So it's really terrific. Oh, that's awfully nice to hear. <laughs> no, yeah, pressure, nice. no pressure. No pressure, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's um, nice because we have such. Actually, this might head you off at the pass at one of your questions, but um, we have such a long history of digital humanities in many different parts of the university right. at MSU, and so there's been various variations of collaboration and working together informally, informally. And so that's part of what Kathleen is doing Mm -hmm. is trying to create some sort of structure and formalization around the history of that, uh, which stretches back decades and in also various instantiations, you know, in the last few years as well. So Absolutely. And I mean, like a lot of things at MSU, the digital humanities, as it's been practiced here, has grown up somewhat idiosyncratically, little pockets of innovation and excitement that have developed across the campus and getting those pockets of innovation to come together and to really think in those collaborative ways that you're talking about um, can can make clear how much has been happening here for so long. Can we rewind a little bit and just talk about what is digital humanities at a subset? Like, what is it just, how do we describe it here at MSU? Well, I hesitate only because <laughs> I'm not sure that I can I can get across all of the ways in yeah. which it's described here at, at MSU. But one of the ways that, that I personally think about the digital humanities is about the work that gets done at the intersection of the humanities as it's been practiced for centuries and the digital culture that we experience today. So that might look like um, doing traditional kinds of digital, digital I'm sorry, doing traditional kinds of humanities-based research, looking at literature, for instance, or looking at art history or looking at music, but using digital methodologies in order to do that. Or it might look like um, looking at digital technologies through the lens of humanities and um, kinds of critical thinking. Um, so it, it's, it's, it's a Venn diagram um, that produces a whole lot of richness and a whole lot of different modes of approach rather than any one given methodology. And I think some of the centering things about digital humanities writ large and also especially how it's done at Michigan State is centering around values of engaging with the community and having a public-facing mission. And so trying to create uh, work in digital spaces with projects that are going to provide something to kind of a broad user base or to a wide range of undergraduate students or faculty from around the world. And so through those values, we can explore these sort of intersections of the digital and humanities. And I would say that one of the key values that's really particular to Michigan State and to the ways that the digital humanities has developed here over the course of its history is specifically the global. I mean, really being able to think about the ways that work that's done within this overlap of humanistic inquiry and digital technologies mm-hmm. can reach out to the world and can 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 Uh, interact with and illuminate issues that are taking place not just here in Michigan, not just in the United States, but around the globe. Right. And as we think about the digital often as sort of disrupting, you know, things, disrupting our social world, disrupting our the academy, etc. We also can think about how that ties in with digital humanities and the global and disrupting power structures mm-hmm. of knowledge, for example, and by creating public facing projects and uh, having new ways to collaborate with colleagues from across the world, we're able to 
uh, re rethink canon and reintegrate voices that haven't been heard before. Uh, and, and the digital allows us to do that and share that more widely than we've had the opportunity to do in the past. Yeah, and one of the things that, that you've been such an important part of, Kristen, is the Global Digital Humanities Conference that that's really continues to grow and evolve here. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is this is something that I was one of my great joys of working here and have been excited to be able to run now in its third year. So we have a Global Digital Humanities Symposium. It takes place uh, this year on March 22nd and 23rd. Registration is fully free to attend mm-hmm. and is open at msuglobaldh.org. Nice. Um, so Write that this, down. Yes. <laughs> so our the symposium is a one and a half day affair and it's it's the type of size of a conference that fits kind of in one room. So it's about 100 people maximum. And the idea behind that is that we bring together people from around the world, as well as kind of pulling from the local uh, work that's going on at MSU and also within you know, kind of the state of Michigan, uh, bringing together graduate students and, and senior faculty from all around and putting them together to talk about the different ways that uh, the global and the digital and the humanities intersect. And so in order to kind of make that global happen and to get people here to East Lansing. We have we're doing a lot of the things that we try to think of as the kind of best practice in conference planning even. Uh, so thinking about how we can provide travel funding to our speakers to offset the the large costs of coming here and and to level the playing field of scholars in other countries who don't necessarily have travel funding, for example. And how can we provide an equitable space in the conference experience? We also live stream the conference. So if you can't make it, uh, you can watch the live stream and interact with that conversation that's going on through Twitter or through the comments in the live stream. Just trying to think holistically Mm -hmm. about bringing the people here to think critically about the digital and and to really question what we're doing in all of it, but also to do that exercise in an ethical and, and thoughtful, holistic way. I'm really glad to see the way in which values have emerged as an important uh, emphasis that we've uh, placed within our more within our broader digital humanities efforts. I think it's also more broadly in the college and at the university as well. And a couple of values that you're even in just hearing what you were saying about the global uh, DH conference. You know the the question of thinking about equity thinking about publicness and, and being public and how we can do that in, in responsible ways and how we can enrich the public rather than just allow it to be kind of pulled apart. And even when you were talking about um, the disruptive dimension of the digital, which is obviously there, you're also in this conference and in a lot of the practices that you're uh, that that we're embodying, embodying in in DH is you know bringing people together around collaboration and and it's as much continuity and conversation as disruption and you know looking for the new possibilities that emerge out of that disruption. Yeah, it's really just about expanding the size of the table and bringing more people to the table. So when we talk about kind of disrupting canon, it's it's not about breaking; it's about breaking in order to expand and to grow. Absolutely. And about also not just creating ways in which the work that goes on on campus can be gotten out to the world, but also the ways that the campus can become a more receptive space for the work that's being done off Mm -hmm. campus as well. The ways that that the campus can become a place where we're listening to those communities that we're trying to reach just as much as we're speaking to them. Yeah. Um, Let's get a little bit specific. So can we talk a little bit about our cultural preservation here in digital humanities? 
Yeah, so uh, Matrix especially is a center at Michigan State that has been around since the 90s. So the second large or second oldest digital humanity center in the world. That's what I'm told. So yeah. we, we have to get our get some fact checking on that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but it has been around for a very long time and has a focus, especially in cultural heritage okay. uh, endeavors and uh, especially working although not exclusively, but working a lot with scholars in various parts of West Africa and uh, in South Africa and, and other parts of the world to think about how we can preserve cultural heritage in places that are not here that are equitable with those spaces. Mm -hmm. So instead of, say, bringing a collection of photographs from uh, Mali to Michigan to digitize, and then keeping them here for preservation. Mm -hmm. Instead, we bring digitization materials and expertise to train people there to do the work there, keep it under the safeguard locally, right? And then also keeping a copy of that mm -hmm. digitized image that MSU will make sure is, is safe just in case. But just thinking about how we can provide knowledge that is then rooted in a, in a culture, and uh, in, in the cultural context in which uh, these artifacts and things are rooted. And that is a very different model than cultural heritage practices have been in the past. Gotcha. Right. So that's one example of work that's been going on in, in Matrix. But there's also work that's been going on in MSU libraries, for example, in special collections and thinking about the comic book collection right. that they have that I'm excited to see potentially grow in our yeah. relationship. Yeah. And it's so we're hearing so much about digital humanities being in the museum, in the library, um, kind of all over. Where else does it live on campus within research or different spaces that we have or even curriculum? Where can we find more about digital humanities? Well, there's digital humanities taking place in all areas of mm -hmm. the campus. So there there are research spaces like Matrix, which we just talked about, other labs like the Digital Humanities and Literary Cognition Lab that is connected to the English department, WIDE. Um, which is an acronym whose writing and digital environments. Thank you very much. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, that has been connected with the Writing Rhetoric and American Culture Department. Um, lots of spaces like that where research in digital humanities and other areas of the digital are taking place. It's also deeply embedded within aspects of the curriculum. I mentioned the digital humanities program in Cal, which has an undergraduate major and a I'm sorry, an undergraduate minor and a graduate certificate. Uh, but there are also um, programs like the user experience program, the user, the experience architecture program mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in RAC um, that also provide ways of thinking critically about how the digital function. Yeah, yeah it also bring in that there's a lot of intersection of in curricula and in research uh, between the digital humanities and other sort of related uh, areas of research and teaching around campus that might not explicitly identify as digital humanities, but which absolutely are kind of in the same vein in certain ways. So we have some areas of overlap with the work that's done in the Quello Center in uh, communication arts and sciences, for example, in thinking about social media research. Uh, we've had overlap in the past with the social science data analytics work in thinking about how text analysis, for example, as a method 
can be used across these disciplines. So there's also those kind of less central to digital humanities qua digital humanities, but thinking about how this can overlap or be in conversation with other areas of research. And the other thing I'd point out is just on the curricular level. So uh, for the digital humanities minor, for example, uh, that's a pretty flexible minor. So we have a few required courses, but the idea is that you can fulfill it through courses in all sorts of different majors, right? So you could ha- take a course in computer science and engineering that could count toward the DH minor, mm-hmm. or you could take a course in music that could count. And so the idea is that this could actually reach out into all different parts of campus. And that is one of the things that's exciting about it is it's pretty flexible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the initiatives that we can talk about is the Critical Diversity in the Digital Age Initiative. And that's been really very much focused on the College of Arts and Letters in collaboration with the College of Social Science and the Department of History, which is in social science. And of course, the Department of History has great strengths in digital history and the leader lab there and the, and the work that they're doing to advance the both undergraduate education and graduate education in, uh, around the digital. But the Critical Diversity in the Digital Age Initiative has really been a catalyst for the hiring that we've done in digital humanities at, in, within the college and here at MSU. Well, absolutely. And I think it's going to provide a really interesting focal point for some new kinds of research projects um, within the digital humanities um, that are really reaching out in public ways to think about how the work that's being done on campus in the digital um, can reach out and communicate with and, again, listen to the communities that it's engaged with. Yeah, so maybe we could talk a little bit about the our understanding of of critical diversity in a digital age. And I'm a little hesitant. I'm uh, I'm going to throw this this question on the table, recognizing that it was really a, a faculty uh, led. Uh, initiative with respect to this idea of focusing our efforts on on critical diversity and critical diversity studies. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it, it would be great to talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I do want to recognize the degree to which I'm walking into a conversation that has been in process long before I arrived here. And so I've, I've been kind of getting up to speed on it. But my understanding of the critical diversity in a digital age initiative, and one of the things that really makes it important and unique um, to Michigan State is the ways that it's it's thinking not just about critical perspectives on technology and what they're doing to society in general, but critical perspectives and critical uses of technology in fostering greater diversity, greater inclusion in intellectual and social and cultural processes um, throughout both the local community, Michigan more broadly, and in the world. And so really being able to think about not just the individual cultural interpretive effects of technology as we engage with it, but the profound social effects for good and for ill that technology can have um, as as we move forward, I think is going to it's going to be increasingly important. And that we're doing that work here in Cal, I think, is is vital. Yeah, one of the things that's been so important about this initiative is the way in which it's an attempt to really put the value of equity and diversity into concrete practice with both with regard to our hiring strategies, but also with regard to the research agenda that we that our faculty are engaged in. As you think about all of the ways in which our interaction with technology and, and with digital modes of communication is 
influenced by values both recognized and unrecognized. So the way in which algorithms are functioning on us to deliver us our news in certain kinds of ways and the opaque nature of that and the way that privileges certain kinds of things and, and disadvantages others. So all of these issues are really um, central to the question of diversity and, and making sure that we continue to expose ourselves to the full beauty of human diversity as we move uh, into the digital world. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a little, about, a little bit about the student experience in DEH. So how can an undergraduate student comes to you, Kristen, and says, I want to be involved with digital humanities. What's the first step? Right. So the first step is I have a meeting with the student mm -hmm. one on one. And if they are able and interested in being in the digital humanities minor, that's a very easy process. There isn't an extensive application or anything like that. It's just a matter of figuring out what the student's interested in and therefore and then coming up with a plan with me about kind of how they can fulfill yeah. the curricular kind of goals of that. But I also frame it as uh, use this minor as an excuse if you're in it. Use it as an excuse to take a new class that you wouldn't have a chance to maybe justify otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so that's one way to get involved. But there's also uh, a number of other ways to get involved either in addition to that curricular side of it or uh, if the curricular side doesn't work with your schedule. As we know, many MSU students are doing double majors and lots of minors and all sorts of things. Uh, but there's opportunities to uh, potentially work in some of the digital humanities labs that we have around campus. So those opportunities, especially now with this new digital scholarship lab that's going to open in the mm -hmm. library, that if someone's interested in working in that lab, uh, they are hiring. Um, so if that's the case, then, you know, we're looking for some students who are, especially students who will be here for a little while yeah. to learn the ropes and then be able to learn some of the technology in that space. And you'll hear more about that space later. Uh, but those are some opportunities, whether yeah. it's in, in the leader uh, space in history or whether it's in the digital humanities and literary cognition lab in the English department or at another space around campus. Those are kind of the key ways to get involved either through curriculum and or through yeah. trying to get some hands-on experience in some of these some of these labs. And how do you think that before we talk about the awesome scholarship lab, how do you think that um, working with digital humanities can help enhance an undergraduate degree or even a graduate degree. Why yeah. is it important? Yeah, so I think the key thing that I think is that it allows you to have a be conversant in some of the issues going on with technology. So it can allow you to pursue some technolo technological skills in whatever area that you're interested in. It's not that you're going to come out with X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. software that you know, uh, but that you get the chance to explore freely what your passion is. So that's one of the things that I think is really important, but also that it provides you with a framework for going out into the world and thinking critically about the news that you're seeing or uh, digging deeper into what data is underlying that that chart that you're seeing. Some of these things are some of the critical things that we talk about in the curriculum, both on the graduate and undergraduate level. So being more conversant in those sorts of issues, I think, will get you pretty far in a lot of yeah. different contexts post-graduation. Yeah. I wonder if I could turn the question back on you, Hannah, and it's insofar as you, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know if you consider yourself a digital humanist, but you certainly you certainly engage the digital pretty yeah. substantively in your major and in and in yeah. your internships and the work that you've done with social media, with communication and with writing, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, I technology is so a part of my life. I mean, I'm 
I'm going to be honest. I love Twitter. I'm on Twitter every single day. Um, I am obsessed with Instagram. Dean Long knows I love Instagram stories. But also thinking, I like to be able to think critically about it and understand, like, not everyone gets to is able to see the same things I am or not everyone engages with it the same way that I am. And I can't speak super eloquently about it, but it's really interesting to have conversations about the crazy things that are happening with big data. I just was in a class where we, one of our projects was to read a Twitter thread of the craziest things that companies and organizations are doing with big data. And that was so cool that I clicked on one of my readings and it was a Twitter thread. <laughs> and for some reason because I am who I am and I love Twitter and I love technology, reading, getting the same information out of a Twitter thread that I would in like a paragraph by paragraph article was just so much more fun and exciting for me to click on links and learn more where I was more interested. And so I think that's really cool that teachers are kind of getting, or professors are kind of getting more into this um, new modes of media and new modes of reading and learning and so that's been one of my favorite aspects of digital humanity so far and I just I really want to take one of Kristen's classes I remember talking to her about it um, last year but it didn't work out with my schedule but I think it's something that's really cool and I'm excited to check out the digital scholarship lab <laughs> absolutely we, we should we should talk about that that yeah. that um, lab uh, I'll say a word or two about how it how it came about and then um you know, but I wanted to come back to what you were saying, Hannah, just for quickly, because you know, at the core of the liberal arts endeavor is the recognition that words are transformative yes. and they have power, and words and images, and yes. that art is transformative and provocative, and, and and invites us, requires us to think differently about our reality and our world, and you know. W- how we learn to use the digital to enrich our lives in in those use yeah. words and images to enrich our our experience in our lives is so important mm-hmm. and one of the things that has been critical to us in the college is to bring this real deep understanding of the liberal arts to bear on a very sophisticated understanding yeah. of the digital and the technological so that we can learn the habits that we need to enrich that world, yeah. that digital world, and our and, and our relationships that we have through that digital world, um, that's going to be so critical for for our success moving forward. Yeah, and something that I just thought of, um, something that I think of when I'm online or when I'm using technology is, if I'm spending time on it, I better be engaging with something meaningful and educational, and even if that's just reading a story while I'm scrolling through Twitter for. 25 minutes for no reason is important. At least I'm getting something out of it. And I think that's part of using technology in a meaningful way that is positive, but also not wasteful. Right. Yeah, if I can just add to that, one of the other aspects of digital humanities work, because you had mentioned when you asked the question of Kristen earlier, mm-hmm. how can an undergraduate student really, I mean, what is the importance yeah. to an undergraduate education or a graduate education, you said, of the digital humanities? And for graduate students, I think recognizing the degree to which the digital not only provides access to resources for doing the work that a graduate student is doing, but also a space in which production can take place and communication of the work that the graduate student is doing, getting that work out to the world and really thinking about how um, that work can shape a, a professional pathway, I think is really crucial so that you're not only just sort of clicking on and engaging with Twitter in an informed way. Yeah. 
but also creating a presence mm -hmm. for yourself yeah. um, in these spaces that enables you to do the critical thinking out loud with the public yes. that you want to do, I think is absolutely crucial. Yeah, and, and one of the things that is becoming central to our digital humanities initiatives here at MSU is scholarly communication and right. the and empowering our faculty, first of all, to have domain of, one's, of their own where they can curate their content in a public way. It does embody the value of publicness that goes hand in hand with what it means to be a, a land grant university. Mm -hmm. And and it also helps us think about how we're using our digital modes of communication to build community, to build scholarly community, build community, whether it's professional community or a community around its special interests. Mm -hmm. Those those moments of community building are so critical. And it's it's important to think um, very intentionally about how we're curating our digital lives so yeah. that they are nurturing communities rather than pulling them apart. Absolutely. And scholarly communication has always been on some level a conversation, right? It's been a glacially slow conversation at times when it all took print, took place in print. And it's been an inward-facing conversation amongst scholars. And the ways that the digital enables us to really open that conversation up, to let it happen more sort of more at the speed of conversation and really to invite a much more diverse range of voices to participate in the production of knowledge um, through digital research is really crucial. Absolutely. Well, before we end this, we'll give a sneak yeah. peek for one of our upcoming episodes, which is all about the Digital Scholarship Lab. But let's give a little... Yeah, let's so, tease it a little well, bit. Say, say what a, is it? <laughs> a little bit about it briefly, and then because Kristen was really the driving yeah. force uh, behind a lot of the design of it, and so, but this is again returning to the issue of collaboration and how do you operationalize it? How do you make it real? The library has for so long been a central node of engagement around the digital humanities here at MSU and more broadly. I mean, the library world is completely. Um, been transformed by the emergence of the internet and and the the digital for for both uh, positive and also potentially some troubling ways. But and so they, I think, librarians in many ways are on the leading edge of this. They've had to be because they deal with it. they've dealt with this emergence of the internet from the beginning. Um, so when we entered into conversation with the library about the opportunity to have um, a, potentially a digital space there, I was um, enthusiastic about it because, first of all, they do have space. They're moving books off of Central mm -hmm. Campus, and they're, and, and they're opening up some really beautiful space. We have space on the second floor of the library overlooking the Beale Botanical Garden. Mm -hmm. And the vision was, could we create a a space that was a living space for graduate students, for faculty, for librarians, for undergraduates, and that that space would be used in a kind of more or less 24-7 kind of structure. What's the recipe for that? And so that was kind of the vision, and you know, Kristen's been working on this. She can talk a little bit more about it. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind, exciting <laughs> project, but it's been amazing to be able to put this space together kind of from concept a year ago to now we're opening in two weeks. And, um, and I'll say just to put it succinctly, it's a space that marries technology and flexibility to facilitate the work that we want people to be doing, both the work that we know they're doing now in, uh, you know, as graduate students, as faculty, as undergraduates, but to try and think about what new 
innovative work might they be able to do? So there's a 360-degree visualization room. There's capacity for virtual reality. And there's uh, laptops with technology to be able to handle large-scale computing. But there's also flexible space where people can come in and work as a group and kind of run into other people engaged in these sorts of activities. And, and that's really where I think the core of it is, is, is bringing people together across campus. And so we're really excited from College of Arts and Letters to partner really deeply with the library about that. And that's something that's a work in progress as we think about the challenge of collaboration when everyone is ha- kind of having their own point of view. And it's also really unique and exciting. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that point about flexibility is really important. It's both we want to invite students and faculty to come into the space and be able to do the kind of work that is most meaningful to them. But it's also been, as Kristen, as you mentioned, an experiment in how to live out our commitment to collaboration. And that means you've got to do it. You've got to work. You have to have those hard conversations about where you're going to put what and yeah. how much resource, how many dollars or even, you know, how much space you're going to commit to this or that part of the uh, endeavor. So that's that's all part of the beauty of the collaboration. Yeah, and the save the date for that is that the opening week, while well, the slew of opening week activities, yeah. is February 5th through 9th. Awesome. Well, keep your eyes peeled and make sure to visit... Make sure to make a visit to the Digital Scholarship Lab. Um, with that, thank you so much, Kristen and Kathleen, for, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Um, A big thank you to everyone involved with this podcast, including our technical producer, Daniel Trago, and our marketing director, producer, Ryan Kilcoyne. And of course, you can access all of Michigan State University's College of Arts and Letters Liberal Arts Endeavor podcast seasons one and our current season two at cal.msu.edu slash about slash podcast. And finally, the ideas and opinions expressed on this program do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any official entities of Michigan State University. Be sure and be sure to tune into our next podcast and look for us in your social media news feeds. Thanks for listening and go green. Go one.